0: You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you, for my whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. All right. We start a new series today called uh, "Come to Worship," and it's going to be that series that leads us up uh, into the Christmas uh, worship experience itself. And uh, each week, we're going to we're going to get together and talk about uh, some of the postures of worship, as well as just simply the elements of of worship. And they're kind of captured in those circles there uh, today, lifting up your hands, and uh, as we go forward, uh, sharing our gifts, pouring out our our hearts. And then, of course, bowing uh, our knees. And the goal is that, uh, that you'll be here every week. And then in the, in the experience of week to week, that as we move to Christmas, uh, that Christmas will really be a powerful uh, experience of just understanding the, the, the good news that God is with us, right? Just the, the worship. And so today we start under that theme, uh, Come to Worship in uh, Lifting Up uh, Our Hands. And uh, kind of our starting point is the whole experience that many of you probably know the story. Uh, it is that uh, that wise men story where the wise men from the east come and uh, find uh, the Christ child, right? It's out of Matthew uh, 2. You all know the story? It's out of Matthew 2. And uh, this is when they get to Jerusalem uh, and they talk with King Herod and they say, hey, you know, where's the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star uh, as it rose. And, y- you know, you got to kind of wonder, uh, I mean, these guys, these wise men, uh, they w- they were, you know, probably pretty prosperous, and obviously they were uh, well-educated, and uh, yet they came from probably over in Babylon or Ur, uh, so they came from a long distance. That's kind of the probable route that they they took, and uh, some, you know, 800 miles probably, anywhere from, you know, some people think, you know, eight months, some people think the journey took two years, whatever it was. you got to kind of ask the question and wonder, what would motivate these wise men to live, leave the comfort of, of their homes, the, the security, the prosperity, the you know everything that they have. What would what would motivate them to to leave all of that and take on this kind of treacherous uh, journey? Right? I mean, what would drive them? What would what would push them to leave behind all of that? And, and, and go out, you know, and camp every night, right? Uh, with smelly camels, most likely, right? And everything that goes with that. And, and make this journey, uh, confront Herod, and, and, and find uh, Jesus. What would be so motivating? What would be kind of the, the, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, right? What would be so motivating to motivate them to make this kind of journey? Good question? The answer comes to us in that experience when they were in conversation uh, with Herod, right? It says, where's the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to do what? Just worship. They came just to worship. That was it. They they came. They were driven Just by the the opportunity of the experience of just simply being in worship. Incredible, isn't it? It kind of leads us to really a fundamental point about understanding uh, worship, right? Uh, a fundamental point about understanding worship. And we need to know this point because I- in our consumerism kind of culture, it's easy for us as Christ followers to kind of carry that consumerism uh, into our walk with Christ, too. And, uh, you know, I don't know, you may, you may have had that experience where, you know, you've been at worship and then you're driving home or, you know, talking later on in the afternoon. I mean, obviously not you know, after you've been at Christ Church, but somewhere along the way, uh, the words come out where you say, you know, you know, really, I really didn't get much out of worship this morning. Right? I mean, I know that never happens here, but I'm just saying, right? But but think about, when those words flow out, think about what's behind that. What What, what is that really saying? Right? Isn't the temptation to, to make worship about us, when, when the biblical truth is, no, it's exactly the opposite, right? Worship isn't primarily for us. Now, of course, we get something out of it. Of course, it's the opportunity for God to pour into us, right? Of course, Pastor Andrew and I and all of our team here and Anna, we work hard to make sure worship is impactful and powerful. Absolutely, right? Week to week to week. But the fundamental, basic, first idea is not what we get out of it. It is that we have the opportunity to pour into it. It's about simply worshiping Him. First and foremost, it's just about worshiping Him, right? So it's not as much about what you get out of worship as it is what you put into worship of God. We come to worship not just to get Right, it, It's really, we come to worship just because he deserves our praise, because of who he is, because of what he does. It's about the character of God. I can show you that uh, in Scripture. If you go into the book of Job, uh, Job is having a conversation with God in this section of chapter 38. And God is speaking here, and God is talking about uh, with Job, the experience of creation, right? And he's talking about the experience of creation before human beings were even formed, right? So before he got down on his knees and, and did some, you know, forming out of the dust there and breathing life into humanity, before all that took place, God says to Job there, he says, listen, uh, what supports the foundations of creation, right? Who laid the cornerstone of creation? Now look at verse 7. As the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. What happened in creation before human beings, us, before we even got involved? Worship. Worship. Creation itself could not be contained. But it necessitated in and of itself the opportunity to just praise Him for who He is. To just praise Him for who He is. That was in the beginning, right, uh, with creation. And then you go to the book of Revelations and you think about, well, well, the end. What about, you know, the Omega, right? That's the Alpha. What about the end? And it says in the book of Revelations, Who will not fear you, Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and do what? Worship before you. In the beginning and ultimately the end. They'll come to worship. Why? Just because of who He is. Just because of who He is. Not because of what we get out of it. But just because of who he is. And and then this applies to us individually, personally, right? So you can go to Psalm sixty three and you can listen to King David. Right? Now King David was a pretty pretty awesome guy, had his faults and his failures, right? But also a great, great king and brought peace to Israel and secured the borders and all that. So you know one of the best of kings that, that the old testament talks about. And yet King David in those in his own personal walk Right, you can hear how he cries out for worship. Right, this is Psalm sixty-three. David says, "You God are my God; earnestly I seek you; I thirst for you; my whole being longs for you." In a dry and parched land where there is no water, do you get a sense of what's going on in David? I mean, do you, you get a sense how he is just? just yearning to just worship, right? And notice, remember this part, notice he's doing that and he senses his position of being in a dry and parched land where there is no water, right? Then he says, I have seen you in the sanctuary, worship, right? I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. Notice that. Because of who he is, right? Because, God, your love is is better than life itself. Because of who you are, because it's just better than anything. It's better than life itself. Because of that, I can't help. My lips can't help but glorify you, right? We worship him for who he is. Not what we get, but for who he is. He says, I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name I will... Lift up my hands. I will worship. We worship God not because of what we can get out of it. We worship simply because of who he is. Just who he is. Now here's the great thing in Scripture. Remember, David is saying this, and he describes his position as being in a dry and parched land, right? Remember that, right? But he says, listen, I just need to worship because of who God is, because his love is better than life. I just need to worship. After he does that, look at the end here in verse 5 where his life moves to, where he comes out from the experience of just worshiping for the sake of worship, right? Not to get anything out of it, just worshiping for the sake of worship. Verse 5 he says, I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips my mouth will praise you. What happens when he just worships? Because that's what we do, just worship. He starts in a dry and parched land, and after the worship, what happens? He is blessed with the richest of foods. Do you get the principle? We don't worship because of what we get out of it. We worship just because of who God is. And the great experience is that's when the opportunity comes for God to do what God does and to satisfy the richest of foods. It means when we worship, we just come to worship. We just come to worship, and we come to offer our praise. And we do that not just, you know, Sundays, but but every day, right, in all the experiences that we go through in life. We can just praise Him for who He is. No expectation, just praise Him for who He is. Is now notice Psalm one forty one, where the psalmist is doing that. He's praising him. But as I read the psalm, uh, make a decision in your own mind of whether this person is praising him out of out of great a uh, position of great joy and happiness and everything's great, or or position of great uh, challenge uh, and difficulty. You ready? Listen to the first half. It says, "Lord, I am calling to you. Please hurry. Listen." When I cry to you for help, okay, great joy, everything's going good, or struggle? Answer would be struggle, right? Struggle. Here is a great principle. Don't miss this one. Here is a great principle. When difficulties come into our lives, it's always so tempting for us to pull away, right, to, to pull away from God, to pull away from His people. When the great irony is that, that is exactly the time when what we need to do is just step into worship. Just step into worship. Not because you get anything out of it, just because of who God is. Just step into worship, right? What does he do? He says, Accept my prayers as incense offered to you, and my upra- upraised hands as an evening offering offering. You see, when we are in difficulty, when, when we're in struggle, the best thing we can do is just recognize who God is. Just, just step into worship when you're feeling oppressed, when you're feeling overwhelmed, when you're in the middle of difficulty, when, when you feel like you're just getting down in the pit, right? To, to just step out and just start praising God for who He is. Just start praising God for who He is. And this especially applies uh, to you guys out there, right? Because, guys, we think somehow, you know, we're strong and we can do it and we don't need it. No. In fact, Scripture would put... The responsibility on us for our families, especially our relationships, to just step out and make sure as guys that we step into worship and bring our families into that experience. Look what Paul says to young Pastor Timothy in 1 Timothy. He says, In every place of worship, I want who? Men. Usually it's the wives that go, Men! When you read this verse, men, yeah, here, the men. Right? No, right? He's like, no, I want men. Guys, are you listening? I want men to pray with holy hands, lifted up to God. What does he want us to do? Guys, we need to take the lead and step into worship. Not for what we get, because but just because of who God is. And just bring that into our families. Bring that into our families. Bring that into our marriages. Bring that into our kids. Just just step into it and, and just be that lead of worship, right? Make sure we're in worship on Sundays. Our families are in worship on Sundays. Make sure we got Scripture re- being read in our homes in prayer and prayer, and we just step into worship. Why? Just because it's who He is. And when we give Him that opportunity... He steps in. Here's the truth, right? When we offer praise, when we worship, when we offer praise, we're offering ourselves. And here's the truth. God can't resist getting involved. When we do that, we just worship Him for who He is. He can't resist stepping into our lives. He can't resist drawing near to us. It says in James 4, Come close to God, right? Worship, just get in. Come close to God, and what? God will come close to you. Notice I underlined. God will, right? He will. It's not, there's a good chance, possibility is pretty high, probability it might occur. No, what does it say? God will. You can count on this. You can count on this. God will. He will. Right? Now you know this, if you think about this, you know this to be true just from life experience. Right? Just give give you an image of life experience, right? So you're you're, you know, maybe in your family or your extended family or friends or whatever out and about and somebody's got one of one of those little or toddler type folks, you know, the toddler types, little gooners. You with me? Yeah, you know those people. Those little, little people. Right? You got one of those? And they're just learning to walk. Right? They're just doing kind of the Frankenstein thing. They're just learning to to walk. Right? And they walk up to you and their arms are lifted high and outstretched. Right? Kind of like this little guy here. Right? Oh. What do you have to do in that moment? What can you not resist but do in that moment? Pick them up, yes. You, I, mean, you gotta, I mean, there's no way in the world you just can't grab hold of that little gooner, right? You may pick them up and get a whiff and give them to somebody else, but initially you're, you're going to step into and you're going to grab hold of them, right? You just can't resist doing that. This is the way God is, the Father. This is the way He is. When we just come to Him, no expectations, We we just praise Him for who He is. He can't resist. He can't resist drawing near, getting into our lives, right? And that's when things change. That's, that's when he begins to work and satisfy. And, and we offer our praise. And he steps in, and he gets into the battle. He gets into the battle of whatever it is that we're going through in our lives this is a great experience from Exodus 17 it's when the people of god were were on the way to the promised land and and you know getting ready to go and take the promised land and as they're making their way they have different battles along the way and uh, here's one of those battles with the amalekites and so you got Joshua leading uh, the armies of Israel and they're down on the on the plains where they did the battle right so they're down there getting ready to engage in the battle engaging in the battle and it says uh, that while Joshua was doing that, uh, Moses and Aaron and Hur climbed up to the top of nearby hills. So the armies down here in the battle, and Moses and Aaron and Hur, they go up on a mountain to kind of oversee the whole thing, and then look at verse 11. It says, As long as Moses held up the staff in his hands, the Israelites had the advantage. As long as what happened? As long as Moses lifted up his hands, right? As, as long as he lifted up his hands and engaged with God, as long as he was like that toddler, just, just reaching out to God, praise, just reaching, as long as that happened, things went well in the battle. But look what? But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. What happened when he stopped the posture and position of just worshiping? They started to lose the battle. You see, when we just worship, God cannot resist getting into the battle, getting into our lives. He'll draw near. He can't resist. And here's the great thing of the story is that, you know, you can only keep your arms up for so long, right? And I don't know how long you can. He, I don't know how long you can do it. I couldn't do it that long. But it says, Moses' arms soon became so tired that he could no longer hold him up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in the battle. What happened? Moses could not do worship alone. He, he couldn't sustain it by himself. He needed others to come alongside of him and sustain him, to help him to be in worship. There's a huge lesson here, right? So we step into just worshiping God for who he is, not, not what we get out of it, just worshiping him for who he is. He can't resist getting involved in our lives and getting involved in the battle. But we need others to come alongside us in the battle. We need others to enter into the experience of being in worship with us, right? That's why we do this together, right? Every Sunday. That's why we're in the room together. We we, we do do it together. But think about this. There is the invitation in this text for you to think about worship here differently. For you to think about the opportunity of making a worship appointment with somebody else who is a Christ follower. So, I mean, like every Sunday when you, when you come to worship, just kind of roll out. You get up, you cleaned up, and you come to worship. And or do you get uh, do you do you call somebody the week before and say, Hey, I'll uh, see you in worship. Right? I mean, do you make a divine appointment with somebody else who who comes alongside you to be in worship? with you. Right? It's like Pastor Andrew and I are always encouraging you, right? Get in relationship with other people. Get in a ministry relationship with somebody. Get in a small group with somebody, right? Well, why? Because that's where you get those people who come alongside of you. And they ought to be alongside of you where? Not just in the experience of small group, but in worship. We have worship appointments with each other. We should be looking for each other every Sunday in worship. It shouldn't just be us. It should be us, right? Those that come alongside of us. And if you come to worship and somebody from your small group or ministry group or whatever you're in, if they're not here, what do you need to do that week? Stop by. Call them up. Whatever it is you need to do. Make a contact and say, hey, everything okay? Everything fine? Anything I can do? Miss you Sunday. Just want to make sure you're okay. Right? It's the same principle of coming alongside and in, in having worship be that experience that's bigger than ourselves. Does this make sense? Making those worship divine appointments. If you look at the psalmist, the psalmist again just says, look, this is what we do. This is what we do. Sing to the Lord and praise His name. Each day... Proclaim the good news that he saves. Publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing thing he has done. You see, our worship, when we just worship, we just come to worship. That is also our witness. It's the opportunity for God to get engaged in the battle and for that to flow and pour out into other people's lives around us. The other Christ followers we worship with that hold us up, equally just others out there. We come to worship. When we come to worship, it is part of our witness. Now some of you may be here this morning uh, for the first time or you haven't really gotten serious about Jesus uh, in in your life, right? And and I just want to reassure you this morning that if you hear this message and you can be like that toddler, like that child and, and, and you can just let God come into your life. Just Put your arms out and up and worship him and and surrender to him. He will come in. He will draw near to you. And he will take on the battles. And he will encourage you. And he will strengthen you. And all we do, we just come to worship. We just worship him for who he is. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today. uh, We thank you uh, for who you are. That's all we need just to know who you are. And so we want to just uh, thank you today, praise you, adore you, and uh, we pray that you would uh, strengthen us um, because that's what you want to do. Not that we expect anything, but that you would strengthen us because that's what uh, what you do. And we thank you that it's true what David said, that your love is so incredible. And it just drives us uh, to worship you, to praise you, and adore you. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for being who you are. We give ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: the clouds of sin and sadness drive the dark of doubt away. Giver of Joyful music leads us sunward in the triumph song.